The title of the message this morning is New Identity and New Culture. Before we explore God's Word together, let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for the privilege it is to be gathered together around your Word. It's really why we're here. We're here for a lot of reasons. We're here for your community. We're here to worship you in song. We're here to celebrate your goodness and grace in in a lot of different ways. But primarily, we're here to, to hear your word proclaimed. So God, would you by your spirit assist me to proclaim it faithfully and help all of us to have ears that really hear. We want to be doers of your word, not only hearers, So help us, Lord, to hear it, to receive it, to run with it. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, the Bourne Trilogy is a favorite of mine. I don't know if there's any Bourne fans out there. In Bourne Identity, Jason Bourne can't remember who he is. I mean, he he knows he worked for a special undercover government agency, He found several passports with different names on them. He speaks a number of languages. He knows a bunch of crazy fighting moves. The entire movie, he's trying to find out who he really is and how he became who he is. Colossians chapter 3 helps us see who we really are and how we've become who we are. It doesn't stop there. It goes on to tell us how we're called to live in light of who we are. So with grace and clarity, Colossians 3 lays out the new way of life we're called to walk in. So like new clothes that are laid out for us, we're invited to remove our old filthy clothes that defined our past and put on what reflects our new identity in Jesus, our Savior. Let's look at Colossians 3. Verse 1, since then you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways, in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other since you've taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you, and over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. 
Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you are called to peace, and be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. In whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Two things this morning I pray we see. First, new identity. This is who we are. And second, new culture. This is how we're to live. New identity, new culture. Let's begin with new identity. This is who we are. Our new identity is found in Jesus Christ. For those who are in Christ Jesus, for those who have by faith trusted in Jesus as Savior, have embraced his perfect life, lived in our place, his substitutionary death on the cross for us, and believe that he is raised to life, and now you've, you've, you've believed that by faith and you're following Jesus, for that person, you've got a new identity in Christ. And verses 1 through 4 is basically saying, be completely captivated, be completely obsessed with or gripped by, amazed at, and fixed on this new identity that you have in Jesus. The old life once dominated by sin and Satan and self, that old life is dead. Everyone, we know everyone here, everyone is made in the image of God. We're made to reflect God like no other uh, created being. We're made to be in relationship with the living God. We reflect Him. But because of the fall, because of that historic event of Adam and Eve rebelling against God, because of that day and every day since, we, we have been stained by sin. That image of God that we reflect is, is distorted like a, like a mirror that's been shattered But God is redeeming us. He's giving us a new identity in His Son. No longer to be conformed to the former sinful passions, but remade into the image of Jesus. He has begun a a work in us. He'll complete that work. So Christians are united with Jesus. Think about this. This is what happens when we we become followers of, of Christ. When we believe the message about Jesus, we are united with Christ. We learned of this last Sunday, really what it means to be in Him or in Christ. He's present in us by His Spirit. He's at work in us by His Spirit. We have a brand new identity in Jesus, a brand new life. And here in in Colossians 3, verses 1 through 4, uh, we begin by just seeing that we were raised, this identity, we've been so united with Christ that since Christ has been raised, Paul's saying, you have been raised. Since Christ has died, you have died. You've been buried with him. And so this means you don't belong to yourself anymore or to any other way of life. You belong to Jesus. Your life is hidden with Christ in God. Verse 3. What is this about? This is about a place of security, a place of freedom, freedom from fear. He gives us all the power we need to deal with any opposition. We are secure in Christ. We're hid in Christ. He is your life, Paul says to the Colossians. And we need to hear it for ourselves. 
For those who are in Christ Jesus, we have a new identity. Oh, it's not about our degree. It's not about what we do in life. It's not about any of those things that define us. What defines us now as people is Jesus. We're united to him. And it says we're so united to him that when he appears, we will appear with him in glory. On that day when he returns, and he will return, Paul is saying you will appear with him in glory. And you'll be completely renewed. All the sin and all the wrestling with the brokenness of this world will be done away with every tear wiped from your eye. Sin completely eradicated. And that's a day we look forward to. And that's not a day of just wishful thinking and I hope this happens. It's a day that we're, we're certain of will come because Christ has been raised and he will return. So Christ is a believer's life. He is our life. And Paul says this in other parts of the New Testament. In Galatians 2, verse 20, he writes to the Galatians, he says, I have been crucified with Christ. Do you see how much he's identifying with Jesus? He sees that he himself has been crucified. He wasn't there that day that Jesus was crucified. He wasn't up on the cross with Jesus when he was crucified. But Paul's saying, I'm so united with Jesus. I have been crucified. I don't belong to myself anymore. I've been crucified with Christ. And I no longer live. Oh, but he's penning this letter. He's breathing. He's alive. He's illustrating something, though. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. In Philippians chapter 1, verse 21, he writes, For to me to live, for to me to live is Christ. That's what life is about for me. So for Christ to be our life doesn't mean we lose our personality. It doesn't mean we become a puppet of some kind. At the very least, it means that Jesus influences everything about us. Everything. We're so united with him. There's a, a security and a hope, an intimacy, a joy, an identity. It's holistic. This new identity in Christ is intricately connected to all of life. So look at verse 1. What does it mean then to seek things that are above or set your minds on things that are above? This word seek, it's keep on seeking. This idea is ongoing. It's continuous. You don't stop. It's like seek first the kingdom of God. This, remember what Jesus uh, told us. Seek first the kingdom of God. This ongoing, continuous action on our part to pursue the kingdom his rule and reign over us and to submit ourselves to that good and loving and just rule it's what we were made for here paul is saying it in a similar way or he's saying the same thing seek this ongoing continuous thing that we're to do the things that are above and not literally above but spiritually the rule and reign of jesus set your minds on that think deeply about that focus your attention center your life Always be thinking about, be obsessed, be gripped by and preoccupied with Jesus and his rule and reign over your life. Who he is and what he's done. Bring your full attention here. That's what he's saying. Set your minds. Set your minds on, on these things. 
goes on to say, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. This is a position of prominence and authority. It's a position of power. It's Psalm 110 language, which is a messianic psalm. It's a meaning it's a psalm that was anticipating the Messiah who would sit, the one who would sit at the right hand of God, who has the authority and the backing of God the Father. This is Jesus. This is about living an intentionally Christ-centered life. To live in a way that demonstrates his rule and his reign over every area of our life. And the power and the motivation behind living this way, you know where it's found? It's found in knowing our identity is in Jesus. Everything is connected to this. Who we are is the basis for how we live. If you don't know who you are, if you don't believe it, if you don't believe you're in Christ, if you don't believe you've been united with Christ, you won't live this out. Or you'll try to, and you'll stumble along the way and think, oh my goodness, am I really living up to what God has called me to? You'll live under condemnation and despair. And Are you living out of your identity? It's important for us to do that. Now, Paul's talking this way, but Peter also talked this way. I want to show you 2 Peter 1, verse 5. Peter writes to this dispersed community of believers. They were under persecution and they were suffering for their faith and he's writing to them, encouraging them to press on. And he says this, for this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge and to knowledge self-control and to self-control perseverance and to perseverance godliness and to godliness mutual affection and to mutual affection love. You're like, whoa, slow down, Peter. What was that second one? And I like to call this the faith and love sandwich. He starts with faith, he ends with love, and all the good stuff is in between that comes with faith and love. But we're called to live this out. These are the things we're to walk in. It's similar to what Paul has been telling the Colossians in Colossians 3. And look what, he, look what Peter says in verse 8 of chapter 1 here in 2 Peter. For if you possess these qualities, these qualities I've just listed out, if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of the Lord Jesus. Now, who here would say, you know, I, I really want, I prefer to be ineffective and unproductive in my knowledge of the Lord Jesus? Nobody here who's following after Christ wants to be labeled ineffective and unproductive. And Peter is saying, if you have these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus. But whoever does not have them, oh, here's the diagnosis. He is nearsighted and blind. He's forgetting that they've been cleansed from their past sins. Nearsightedness, you only can see what's in front of you. You you can't see what he's done for you. All you're seeing is what's in front of you, the day-to-day stuff of life. You're distracted. Spiritual amnesia sets in. You forget what was accomplished for you on the cross. He says the remedy, the answer to this is that you remember that you've been cleansed, cleansed from your past sins. Oh, the goodness and grace of God. Cleansed, made new, welcomed in. When we forget that, we won't walk the way he's called us to. Go back to Colossians. Colossians 3, same idea. How we live is growing out of who we are. 
Christian maturity involves knowing, coming to terms with the fact that we have died and our life is now hidden. It's kept secure in Christ. So welcome to your death. When someone dies, there is separation. There's a loss. And for the person who dies, physically speaking, they lose the ability to breathe. They lose the ability to move. They lose everything they've ever owned. But for those of us who have died in Christ, oh, there's a separation that happens there as well. There's a move away from the old habits and the lifestyle that defined us. There's a breaking free from what had enslaved us. Now, some think that living for Jesus means never having fun again, living a boring life filled with rules and regulations, losing your personality. No, not at all. True life is found in Jesus. God is so gracious and kind in freeing us from the slavery of sin and shame and releasing us to live to his glory with all the gifts and talents and personality that he's given us. And the boundary lines that he sets for us are for our good and for his glory because he loves us. And anyone with a child understands that. Anyone with a small child really understands that. You set these boundary lines and that, that, that child thinks you're, you're the worst person on the planet. But if they go beyond those boundary lines, they could get hurt and you know that. And so you're keeping them in. You love them. You're not going to be like, all right, go ahead. Fall down the stairs. That'll teach you. I don't know how many Lost fans there are. It's an old show. But in the final episode of Lost, the main character had to come to grips with the fact that he was dead. And if I spoiled it for you, too bad. It's way old. (laughs) So do you. You need to come to grips with the fact that if you're in Christ, you're dead. Yes, you're alive, but you're, you're dead first. <laughs> when you believe this, and not once, but daily, your life, your actions will begin to show it. What have you died to and what have you been raised to? Christians are people who let the reality of Jesus change everything about who they are how they live, how they speak, what they do, what they laugh at, why they do what they do, what they hope in. There's a reshaping, a reorientation that takes place because we're now in Christ. We have a new identity. Second, new culture. This is how we're to live. So those with this new identity find themselves in a new culture. A culture is a way of life. Culture involves attitudes and behaviors characteristic of a particular people group. But in our case, these are characteristics and behaviors of a person, not a people group, of Jesus. Our new culture is Christ Jesus. Our identity is Jesus. Our new culture, our new way of life is Jesus. We've entered into a new life, a new manner of living, new customs. We've been given new clothes. Colossians expresses it that way. But so does Romans. Turn with me to Romans. Romans 13 Verse 12, Romans 13, verse 12. Paul is writing to the church in Rome. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. Let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. 
telling them to put something on. Put on that armor of light. Let us behave decently as in the daytime, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy. Rather, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus. Clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. So Paul just straight up says, clothe clothe yourselves with Jesus. All right, back to Colossians 3. We're looking in verses 5 and 11 through 11 at our old clothes. And the fact is, this old behavior doesn't fit us anymore. We've entered a new culture, and Paul is saying, your old clothes don't fit you anymore. You ever try to fit into something that doesn't fit? Oh, you want it to fit. You try. You put on those pants, you parade in front of your wife, and she's like, oh no. You better take those off right now. Do not leave the house with those on. You can't even button them. Yeah, I can button them. No, you can't. I'll adjust the button. No, don't adjust the button. Get rid of those clothes. I have some um, slim fitted shirts. I like them slim. And uh, some are over the last year or two. Um, it's weird. It's like they, they shrunk. Uh, I know this area of my body did not get bigger. Uh, so the clothes must have shrunk. But they don't fit anymore. So there was really nothing I could do. <laughs> I had to get rid of them. Your old clothes don't fit you anymore. You're trying to put them on. It looks weird. It looks really weird. You know, for those of us who belong to Jesus, our old way of life doesn't fit who we've become. There's a particular way we're called to deal with old patterns of behavior, and Paul lays it out pretty clearly. He says to kill them. Put them away. Take them off. Make a decisive break with that old way of life. Initiative on your part is called for. He's given you a new identity. He's welcomed you into a new culture. And now he's calling you to something. To take off those old clothes. Leave them behind. Take off those old patterns. To kill those things. He says it's because of these things that the wrath of God is revealed. God's just punishment. God doesn't want us doing whatever we feel like whenever we feel like it. He knows a life shaped by these things, the things that he lists out, it's better for us than just going by whatever feels right. It's better to live centered on Christ than in slavery to sin. He's essentially saying, you used to live this way, this pattern of behavior that doesn't make sense for you to adopt now and to live in now. You used to live that way, but now you must. You must rid yourself of all these things. You must put them away. You must. Let's read this again. Verse 5. What are the things we're to put off? What are the things we're to put to death and to put away? Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed. Listen, Paul lived in a sexually crazed culture. You think we live in a sexually crazed culture? We do. We do. Where porn is the number one online industry. There were temples that people would go to to sleep with prostitutes as an expression of worship, not of, not of the God of the Bible, but of other gods. Right there in their midst. There were parties, dinner parties. He's calling them out of orgies and all these other things. Read the letters. He's not, 
tiptoeing around things. He's like, come on. You got to come out of that. You used to live that way. There's a new way of life I'm calling you to. Not, not I'm calling you to, but Christ is calling you to. Put to death sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Now, because of these, the wrath of God is coming. Oh, you used to walk in these ways in the life you lived, but now you must rid yourself of all these things. Anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language from your lips. Don't lie. You see what he's doing? He's calling them to a new culture. What about anger and rage? Unchecked, unrestrained anger. What about malice? This hatefulness in our hearts towards someone. Are we living as if it's okay to hide anger in our hearts towards others? Are we living as if it's okay to slander somebody, damaging their reputation? Are we living as if it's okay just to kind of say whatever we think comes to mind, shameful speech, dirty language? Are we living as if it's okay to lie? He says, put these things off. That's your, that belongs to your old self, an old pattern of behavior. And, and, and it's like removing the old stinky, filthy clothes that you worked all day in. I mean, it's so bad. And this happens from time to time in the Kinney home. People are coming in from playing outside. I won't say who, uh, but it's like, okay, will you just throw those clothes out? I don't know if there's anything we can do about them. <laughs> Paul's saying there is nothing we should do about these clothes. Throw them out. Get rid of them. That's your old, old way of life. It's inappropriate. It's inconsistent with your new identity in Jesus. Now, we can all agree with these truths. We can say, yes, I want to live. I don't want to live that way. I agree with you. And still be embarrassed to find so little difference between the way we live our lives compared to those who have no faith in Jesus. And we experience struggles with sin, personal failures, worry, anxiety, outbursts of anger, unforgiveness, perverse speech. We struggle with lust and sexual impurity. And we wonder, uh, has the new come? Has the new life in Jesus actually come to me? I feel like I'm, I'm not walking in it. Now, how do we make sense of all that? So for the Christian, the power of sin uh, has been severed at its root. The power of sin has been severed, but its influence remains. Because of the finished work of the cross, our sin has been dealt a fatal blow. Fatal blow. The new which has come is our relationship with God in Christ. Our relationship marked by peace with him. The power of the Spirit at work in us, enabling us to overcome sin. So there is no temptation that you will sit under that you can't say no to by the power of the Spirit. You're like, man... Really? Yes, really. God will give you the grace to fight. God will give you the grace to say no. God will give you the grace to resist and, 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 and believe that God is present with you. A radical reorientation has taken place in your life. It's dramatic. It's revolutionary. The old clothes don't fit you anymore. He says the new clothes are laid out for you. He wants you to put them on. What are those new clothes? And we're not just to stare at them. Who stares at new clothes and doesn't put them on? Who buys new clothes, maybe some of you do, and leaves the tags on them in and, and your closet, you're just really happy you got a bunch of new clothes. You, no, you put them on. You want to show that you got some new clothes. What are the new clothes we're to put on? Therefore, verse 12, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with what? With compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. 
Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has grievance against someone, forgive. What's the motivation? Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Wow. Here are the new patterns of behavior we're meant to walk in. I love the message. Eugene Peterson, he writes, he translates it this way. Every item of your new way of life is custom made by the creator with his label on it. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. You're like, oh my, I've got to forgive? Oh, you get to forgive. You get to walk free from slavery to unforgiveness. You get to walk in the power of the Spirit expressing forgiveness to someone who's hurt you, knowing that your motivation and the power behind that expressed forgiveness is the forgiveness you've received. If I've been forgiven and uh, of all my sin and someone comes to me and asks for forgiveness, you, you better believe I'm going to forgive them. If I've been forgiven all my sin, you better believe I, I'll go to others and express repentance and ask for forgiveness myself. That's the motivation. Jesus, this new way of life he's called me to walk in. And then he says in verse 14, he talks about love being this non-negotiable kind of all-purpose article of clothing you need to wear. I don't know if you thought of it as underwear or what, but maybe we'll think of it as pants. You don't leave the house without your pants on, all right? You got to go with pants on. Don't go anywhere without pants. And he's saying don't go anywhere without love. Love is like the glue, the bond that's holding all of these things together. Now, there's other ways of describing what Paul is saying, like, um, you know, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, all those things are the fruit of the Spirit's work and presence in your life. But here, he's providing this beautiful illustration. He's saying, put off the old pattern, put on the new, and your clothes reveal so much about you. They reveal what you like, your, you, know, your, you know, maybe some of you might think I'm a skateboarder. I don't know what you think about me. <laughs> I own a longboard. I'm more of a poser. <laughs> Casual. I don't know which. Point is this. Your clothes reveal a lot about you. And the, the clothes on your body can be seen. So show that you belong to Jesus by your behavior. Show. Your, your behavior is a reflection of your relationship with Jesus. Your behavior is not the stuff you do to earn a relationship with Jesus. Your behavior is the, it, it grows out of your identity. You understand? It's like a healthy tree has these roots that run deep. And if that tree is going to bear fruit, real fruit, and show that it's a healthy tree, its roots have to run deep. Our roots are are running deep into the work of Jesus on our behalf. That's our foundation. The fruit that shows in our life, the love, the joy, the peace, the forgiveness, oh, that's just what grows out of a relationship in Christ. Are we walking in this new culture? The new life we have in Christ is to be connected to a new community. He talks about teaching and admonishing, encouraging and singing together. It's one thing to say you have these qualities, and you're like, yeah, you know, I, I walk in those qualities. It's one thing to say that, and then to do that in community. <laughs> Somehow community has a way of kind of challenging you in ways that living isolated just doesn't challenge you. You can be really patient with yourself, really kind to yourself when someone isn't, when you're, I don't know if you can not be kind to yourself, but the point is, if you're in community, it's going to sharpen you and challenge you. Then finally, in verse 17, we're called to what? We're called to a style of living um, that is meant to be filtered through, I love this, through verse 17. 
Verse 17, and whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all. Yeah, everything. Whatever you do, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, in his strength and as his representative, as his ambassador, representing him as if you had the Lord Jesus just written across your shirt. It's as if he was right there with you and you're representing him. Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. In his strength, as his representative for his glory, it's that style living he's calling us to. So can you do, fill in the blank, can I do whatever I'm doing, can I do whatever I'm doing in the name of Jesus? Filter everything you do through that. Words and actions. New identity, new culture. This is who we are. This is how we're to live. You, you might have been coming to church for a long time, not local church St. Pete, because we've only been around 10 months. You might have been in and out of church for a long time and really never had a clear idea of what it means to walk and to live out this new culture you're invited into. Maybe you're wondering, yeah, what is, I, I embrace Jesus, then what? How do I, what do I do next? And Paul is writing to this young church that's wrestling, remember, with false teaching, and he's calling them to a lifestyle, a lifestyle that grows out of their understanding of who Jesus is. We won't do this perfectly. We, we lean on a perfect Savior. I want to close by emphasizing verse 16. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly. What is the message of Christ? It's the gospel, the good news, this glorious announcement, this proclamation that we are obsessed with. That God in his mercy took on the stuff we're made of. He became flesh. And he did what we cannot do. He lived a perfect life in our place. And then he died for us. He took the wrath upon himself that we deserve. Let this message dwell in you. And then he was raised to life and he pours out his spirit on us to live out this new life in him. With grace and clarity, Colossians 3, it lays out the new way of life we're meant to live. Let's pray. Father, help us. Oh, would you help us? I'm so excited. I was so looking forward to sharing this chapter because I believe it really gives us some tools and makes very clear the culture you're calling us to walk in. But I also know that we've got to process this. We've got to work out some things. And it might scare some people in this room what it might look like. Lord, for some in this room, they may not have an identity in Jesus yet. And so walking in the culture of Jesus is is scary to them. They don't know how they're, they're going to do it. Lord, I pray that first you'd meet Lord, our friends, right where they are, that that they would place their faith and trust in you through your son. That they would find their new identity in Christ. And second, you'd help all of us who are in Christ to be faithful to walk out this new identity. To be faithful to put on those clothes that you've laid out for us. To know that you will assist us with the strength and power to do this. And it will be for our good and your glory. Amen. Amen.